0: Creates his own offensive chance with that motor. Preachy to coil. Oh, and the Leafs are mulched
1: again. Hello there and welcome to and Bruins Podcast. I'm Nesson.com's Mike Cole. Joined, as always, by Lauren Campbell and Logan Mullen. Guys, how we doing? All right. Swell. Sick. Um... Let's uh we're we're at halfway point, like uh halfway point of the Bruins season or at least uh games played. I was looking at the standings. They've played 27 games. There's fifty-six games in the season, so we're basically halfway there. They are like lagging behind some other teams, though. I obviously closed my standings tab. Uh there are multiple teams in the NHL who have played like thirty-one games. So it feels like this happens every year with the Bruins. I don't get it. I know that COVID's involved this year as well, but you know, just uh a meandering point that means nothing made by me right off the jump there. Uh, so we're just going to basically uh, kick around uh, the, the first half of the season, kind of reflect on what we've seen, and we'll weave in some some current events as well. Uh, you know, the Br- Jake DeBrus situation, uh, the continued uh, parade of injured defensemen, etc., etc. Uh as we uh, really dive in here on, on what's been an, an interesting first half of the year for the Bruins. So let's just start with a a pretty obvious one i mean we don't need to grade it but let's just say you know should the bruins be happy with what they've done in the first half of the season logan why don't you start it off
0: they should be indifference probably not the right word but like (laughs) (laughs) 10 neutral there's obviously major room for improvement but they've been fine the thing is that like how how different is this from a lot of previous years? I guess the only difference is that they haven't been quite as good, uh, in terms of where they sit in the standings relative to say last year where they're fine. They're good. They get the respect of other teams, but they still have problems on defense. Some of that is not their fault. Um, which is sort of a, a sidebar conversation to have. And then they still have a ton of trouble with secondary scoring. Uh, Hey, I
1: like, if i could just interject i'm gonna yeah. spoil a lot of my takes here it feels like they're the the same old bruins and that sounds much more derogatory than it's meant to sound but like this could be like the 2013 or that's a bad example the 2014 or 15 bruins you know what i mean like yeah it feels a lot
0: like that sorry go on 2019 20 bruins too Sure. yeah um I mean, that was basically the crux of it is that they've been fine. There have been some areas where they've been very good, but there have been others that's very concerning. And the fact that they're still, you know, right in the thick of the playoff picture in a very challenging division too, no less um, would be the reason for optimism, but there have been lingering issues that have been around for literal years uh, that are still a problem
2: yeah um i think logan said it best they've been fine um i think (laughs) Logan
1: said it best they're fine all right well it's been uh, our podcast that's all
0: this podcast should be it's just me saying stuff and you guys agreeing (laughs) like
1: the most vanilla
0: stuff they're fine
2: um but yeah i mean obviously the biggest area of concern where they really need to figure out what they can do to improve it as a secondary scoring Um, defense really isn't their fault right now with the injuries, top lines, obviously fine, but it's that secondary scoring that just can't seem to get going. And the five on five scoring seems to be an issue again. So I think that they've been great in area in certain areas and in others. It's just almost dreadful.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of what I can add. I not a ton. Like I, I guess they – I don't know if they should be happy. I don't know if they should be upset. I – and I don't want to get alarmist. I think they should be borderline concerned. Like, this is – they, you know, they're in a stretch right now where they're going to play a whole bunch of hockey games in the next two months. And, you know, to Logan's point, they're in a very difficult division. And I think that's the biggest thing for me. And it's something that I paid mind to earlier, you know, when the seasons when the realignment happened – And it's something I kind of forgot about and maybe shoved aside and didn't pay enough credence to when they were very good early in the year. The whole idea of banking points seems ridiculous at this point. Like you were never going to bank points on a field like this. That's on me. I didn't, I didn't pay enough mind to how good the rest of that, that division is where you're, you you know, you're battling, obviously maybe, you know, the penguins aren't the team that they used to be, but like you're going to be battling for playoff spots with teams like Pittsburgh and the Islanders and, you know even like a team like the rangers is still uber talented they could go on a run like i i don't know like it's just maybe get concerned isn't the right word it's just i i think they have to realize that they're in for a fight if they just even to make the playoffs i almost feel better about them once they get in the playoffs than i do about them getting to the playoffs and like i said a lot of that has to do with the schedule uh, and a, a byproduct of the schedule is the injuries and you know I mean, what, how many times can we say you are going to keep saying it and keep saying it throughout the show, but the secondary scoring is a huge issue. So, you know, you look at what they've been so far this year and what are they, they're, they're 12th in the NHL in point percentage, they're 14th in goal differential. Like they're just kind of there and they've been good, not great. They've looked great at times, but they've also looked pretty bad at times. So I, I'm not sure we still know what they are exactly, but I, all things considered, I, I feel like they have to be pretty feeling pretty neutral to you know basically how Logan started off this entire conversation. I, I guess that's it's just a little bit stuck in neutral, especially lately. And I don't want the recent past to judge my or cloud my judgment, but it, it does feel a little stuck in the mud right now. It feels like they've been treading water all
0: season, which is a,
1: another way of saying stuck in neutral.
0: Yeah because they've been without Posternak at the beginning and then they get him back and you've got guys going in and out of the lineup all season. And then the thing about banking points too, like I think a lot of people are pointing towards like, well, they still got what is it, eight games against Buffalo. But if you need to get into the playoffs by virtue of just waxing Buffalo, you know, eight times like that's the type of thing where it's like that's not a litmus test of how good you are but
1: can i push back on that like yes a lot of definitely. the other teams in the division have gotten to beat up on buffalo already
0: yes that's so true. then so are their point totals inflated a little like no not not <laughs> necessarily because you know the the islanders are still pummeling the bruins every time they play sure. them and like wow. they're still you they're know yeah, I guess one, nothing two one, yeah. but the Bruins still have had their hands full with the Islanders. Um,
2: and the devils and they're not even in the playoff race. The
0: they didn't have the red wings to give them a hard time this year. So now it's the devils. Um, this happens every year. There's one bad team. Um, they better I hope not not too. Like, if, if the Bruins <laughs> making the postseason is predicated on them catching fire at the end of the season, because they had four games in out, you know, in a couple of weeks against the Sabers, then how good are you really? Um, which I know is kind of the point that you just argued against, but like, I don't know. I, I'm not leaning too much on the oh, this will all come around when they play Buffalo.
1: No, they they built up a ton of points though early in the season on good teams. They, you know, yes, they, they haven't played Buffalo means they haven't played Buffalo. Like they were beating other teams early in the year too. So I, you know, I get what you're saying, but I think. Even in a 56-game schedule, those things kind of even themselves out, and it's not really their fault that they haven't played Buffalo. But I get what you're saying. Um, uh, you know, I so circling back, I think we've kind of touched on this a little bit, but, like, you know, I was thinking about this as well. How is this kind of squared with your guys' preseason expectations? I actually kind of forget why I even said before the season began, so maybe you guys have a little more clarity. Uh, Lauren, what do you think in, in that regard?
2: Um, I think that for my – predictions they're kind of off I said I mean there's still time for this to turn around but they I said that Jake DeBrusque was gonna break out um oh, oh, that's you know, a
0: tough one Lauren
2: that's uh, that's on me but again that still can happen
1: um a lot of mea culpas today <laughs>
2: yeah, not not good but I just feel like the east division itself has kind of changed every week the Bruins weren't first the Capitals now it's the Islanders it's really anyone's division to for that top spot um I think I said, you know, secondary scoring needs to be addressed. Um, but other than that, I think, uh, I don't know, I think I should go back and like go do old old takes exposed there because I know they're not very good.
0: I definitely thought they were going to be better. I think I was more optimistic about the Bruins because I didn't think the Char loss was going to hurt all that much. I think the Krug loss has hurt them a lot more. Um, But that was like the biggest concern was the defense and they had been largely fine and I wasn't as skeptical as I think a lot of people were. Um, But I I thought they would have been better because I was looking at the forward group thinking like okay, they've got so much depth there that like, something this will no longer be an issue, right? The secondary scoring and whatnot. Um, And it's weird because there have been guys like Trent Frederick who have worked out, um, but by and large, their bottom nine has been a mess. So, I don't know, they, they haven't exactly met my preseason expectations.
1: So Trent Frederick has as many goals as Craig Smith, one less than Charlie Coyle, twice as many, as Jake Debrusque and four times as many as David Krejci. That's not great. So they they, they were not as good as we, we thought they were in that regard. Um I I Logan, I told you this last night in a text. Like I stand by the the the, the defense thing. Like I, I think that they've been fine. And you look at the numbers, they are like I said, they're you know middle of the road in goal differential, but a lot of that's because they can't score, they're 24th in goals per game. Third in goals allowed per game, their first in penalty kill, uh, which I thought would have been a might have been an issue without Chara. Uh, second in shots allowed per game, like defensively in their own zone, they've been pretty good. And uh, some of that is goaltending, but I I don't know. It's not like one of those. I think there were plenty of people out there who are like, this is going to be a clown show in their own end, you know, when you got guys you know, who haven't done it at the NHL level consistently chasing the puck around. And I don't think it's been that way. And that's. You know, so I, I I think I think I was right on that. What I did not consider enough clearly was the impact that Krug was going to have, and, and the loss of the impact of the impact of the loss of Krug was going to have. Like, you know, the power play has been fine, I guess, on the whole. They're twelfth in the league, but like, you know, he just even something as simple as like getting pucks to the net in, in a controlled manner. Like he was very good at like that that low wrist, like in between a wrist shot and a slap shot, you know, shots with intention to, to create rebounds, to create deflections. I think you get a lot of, especially for a team that's not uberly talented. I think that's where a lot of your, your forward, you know, goal production can come from, especially with some of the guys that they've had, whether it's, you know, like a Ritchie type or even somebody who like who has been fairly decent at cleaning up garbage in front of the net in, in, in the past in his career. So you take that away, and yeah, you're going to struggle a little bit. Throw in the fact too that, in you know, injuries is a. I don't think we've probably played that up enough. That's been a huge pillar of this entire first half. When you lose a guy like Grislick for you know, the stretches that you've lost him, now you're you're basically you know the guy that you thought was going to replace Crew. You know, if you're not without him, you're not going to get that offense from the back end. That being said, yeah, there's no way that the, yeah. You know, the forward depth is come anywhere close to what it should have been or what we might have expected it. I think Logan, by the way you're talking right now, you're probably a little, a little more bullish on it than I was. Um, but I didn't think it was going to be this bad. Like this again, like it feels like old Claude Julian teams, right? Where you just you struggle to score and and you want you look up and down the roster and you're like, how is this supposed to work? But it, it, it should be working better than it is. That's the the, the flustering
0: thing, I think, if you're the Bruins. Can I float a theory that I literally just thought of, so sure. maybe it's stupid? A lot of natural centers up front, maybe – because I've never seen a team that passes on so many shots than this current Bruins team. Sure. like To an amount that would make you want to pull your hair out. And then I was just thinking about, it, like, okay, they have Corrali on the wing a lot. So is a natural center. He's been playing a lot on the wing. Coils had to play on the wing. Um, Trent Frederick's a natural center. Right like a lot of guys who are used to being pass first players, Oscar Steen, not seen, a, yeah, 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 He's not a great example because it's a one game sample size, but they had to put him on the wing. And like, I guess some of that is, you know, you have to tweak accordingly when you have as good center depth as they do where your top three is pretty much always locked in. Um, but a lot of guys who are used to passing first. And then a lot of, to your point about crew, a lot of stay at home defensemen, the only guy who really likes to fire. Well, there's, two guys that I can think of that really like to fire shots on net, which is Grizzly and McAvoy. And then to a surprising degree at times, Saboro will. Uh, but otherwise a lot of guys and McAvoy, literally they have to scream at him to shoot the puck, um, which he should be doing more often, but there are just too many guys who are past first players. And I think some of that is just the, the reality of the way that the roster is built.
1: Yeah. It feels like, I mean, it it makes sense. I think the center thing is a good point. But, like, they – the Bruins have had a type for years. And, like, it's – the Shirelli, you know, Shirelli-Julian era has given way to the Sweeney-Cassidy era. And I'll give them credit for for their ability to kind of evolve over the years. But, you know, at the end of the day, there is still a lot of that, you know, they want – not defensive-minded, but defensively responsible – You know forwards and you know centers typically are going to be better at that so why not load up on center it's like the one position i guess maybe you know the blue line is the same way but like if you lose a bunch of your centers you're port. like it's just it's a lot easier i'm guessing this is a theory is it's a lot easier to move those guys to wing than it is to move a winger to center and but the problem is if you just completely neglect you know it over time I think that gets exposed a little bit especially if you have guys that don't necessarily have the skill set to flourish on the wing so that's tough I know um surprises any, any uh I you know any real big surprises for you guys I don't I can't really I can't think of much but
2: I think before everyone got hurt, the defense kind of surprised me. Yeah, that's true.
1: Um,
2: Just because obviously Char and Kruger, huge loss. And I think Charlie McAvoy is like quietly having a good year. He does obviously need to shoot more, but he's playing a lot of time out there. And he's really just kind of owning the blue line now. Um, Maybe because there's so many other issues on the Bruins and other storylines and injuries that's kind of going under the radar. But um, I guess you would just file him under the defense too, just because I think overall, like I said, before all these injuries came to light, um, they've been pretty solid.
1: I'm surprised at how quickly McAvoy has become a Norris Trophy candidate. Like, I I, did, I knew he was good. I didn't know he was this good, or was going to be this good this quick. So,
0: I mean, he, he was I, – I think Lozon had been good this year, but, I mean, he was pulling along Lozon a little bit at the beginning. Yeah. Um, and I think they just finally found – the right partner for him in Grizzlake, but I mean, they were thrown, he got Vakanainen. I think he got Zaboral at one point. Um, you know, he's played with a lot of guys where it, it's impressive that he's been playing as freely as he has when he hasn't had the safety net of Chara. Um, the only other surprise, I guess for me would be Craig Smith, not scoring quite as much as I think a lot of us thought it would be. He's on a, about an 18 point pace, which isn't, too bad um you know i don't think but there have been too many times where i don't know he's been i guess as Cassidy would call it a passenger
1: yeah i'm looking at it right now has he shot the puck as much as he,
0: so i just uh, look he's he fourth has. on the team in shots yeah. but he's like 11th in shot percentage sure like, so stuck you know. to that area of his game where it's always you know you know where he's pretty trigger happy um, in
1: his defense too cassidy has recently mentioned like Part of that's Charlie Coyle's fault,
0: which yeah. I thought was pretty savage. Uncharacteristically, um, not great year for Charlie Coyle. So.
1: No, that's that's up there too. I am surprised that, and this is probably on me at a certain point, I'm surprised at how just how ineffective Jake DeBrusque has been. And I don't know if this is a frustration on his part or not. Like, we had this conversation last week, I think it was. But when you start talking about effort, I think that's something that when I watched him play, especially when he's at his best, it's like, effort doesn't seem like an issue for that guy. Um, and I think it probably had more to do with frustration than anything else. But like, you know, if you're not getting a hundred percent buy-in from a guy who can't put the buck in the, you know, put in the ocean, like that's tough. Like, so you don't, don't really expect that. But I also think that's part of the ebbs and flows of a season. Like, you know, if it's not going well for you, you're probably more likely to shut it down. But um, it seems that he's, you know, responded well to to his benching. But again, like, I don't know if you would, well, yeah, maybe I should be less surprised. I say, if you told me at the start of the year that Jake DeBrus was going to be benched at the midway point, I probably would be surprised, but maybe not. Like it's just, they've been working on this for, for a couple of years now. I mean, so I don't know.
2: Yeah. I think it was only a matter of time before it happened, especially this year when he just wasn't producing. He looked like invisible on the ice at times. You didn't even know he was out there and then he responded. Well, of course, that's what we want to see. And then he hit the COVID protocol list and it was just, Can't really seem to get on a schedule here, but I think that's how you want your players to respond to come back angry and mad and just like out for blood, really. And that's what we need the Bruins have needed from him since day one. So if he can carry that momentum going into the final half of the season, I mean, it's not going to fix any major problems, but it's certainly going to help.
0: Yeah. That first game after he got healthy scratched was basically a very good way of underlining how important he is to the Bruins. Like they look when he's on, especially that second line with Krejci, like it looks like a totally different unit, a totally different team when he's feeling it and when he's playing the way he has. Um, but it, the scratching thing doesn't entirely surprise me. Cause I think we were having this conversation last year, Yeah, like shortly before the shutdown. I think that was a big talking point in like early March um that it was getting to the point where like I think they had been scratching Bjork but Dabrowski hadn't been playing very well and I was like well shoot I mean they play kind of a similar style of game why not just scratch Dabrowski
1: my feeling on that might be indicative of just how bizarre this entire two-year stretch has been where it might as well all be the same season remember when they played in in a bubble remember that that was not that long ago either (laughs) insane (laughs) I was thinking about that as we reflect on the one year anniversary of the COVID-19 hellscape, like, I'm like, Oh yeah. In like the middle of the summer, they brought hockey players up to Canada, put them in a hotel and they played an entire Stanley cup playoff. Like that's still kind of boggles the mind. Logan, what do you think the job Bruce, Bruce done this year? Do you want like a letter grade? No, just like wow. Well, I, I
0: I think he, he's been fine.
1: I think like, he's been I, good. Like I I think he's been good. I don't know. It's he he is in a tough spot.
0: Yes, that's that's why I would grade him pretty leniently because what are you supposed to do? And I don't know how much involvement he had in making the call to go for the full youth movement thing, but I think he's done, I think he's pushed the right buttons a lot. Like the DeBrusque thing is a good example. And he's given guys a pretty fair amount of latitude. Like I think about the the Trent Frederick thing. He wasn't even supposed to play on opening night. And maybe this is more of an endorsement of Trent Frederick, but then Craig Smith was out because he had some injury and, Trent Frederick looked good, and instead of healthy scratching him the next game because he technically was the 13th forward, Cassidy kept letting him ride, and he's one of, like, five guys who have actually played every game this season. I usually gripe a lot about how much he tweaks with lines and stuff, especially in games. I don't think he's had much of a choice. Like, I don't think it's gone to an unreasonable level this year. His his players have left him with basically no choice a lot of times.
1: Yeah, I don't know if he's sending a message or or not, or if it's just the, the just the nature of the situation. But like, you know, I think every time he he shuffles the lines, it kind of speaks to the the bigger issue, you know, at, at stake, which is they got to get better up front. Um, whether it's finding an, an internal fix, what it's him figuring something out while shaking it up, or if it's a, an outside move. Which brings me to my next question for you guys is what's the biggest key for them to get, not necessarily, I guess it is back on track. What do they need to do? What needs to change? How do they get to where they want to go in the second half um, starting whenever it is uh, tomorrow night, I guess. Lauren, what do you think?
2: Uh, Well, I think it's secondary scoring is the biggest thing. Um, I don't know if that's an internal fix. I don't know if that's outside the organization, but it needs to be addressed obviously pretty immediately. Um, trade deadline's coming up, so that's obviously something to keep our eyes on there. But if you don't have secondary scoring, it's going to be a very, very long second half of the season in the playoffs if they even get that far.
1: I Just to interject real quick, I wonder how much – and this is a terrible way to run a sports organization, so this is – I'm probably talking out of my ass, but, like, I wonder what Trent Frederick's goal Tuesday night in Pittsburgh did. Like, does that – or who scored the game winner? Did Frederick score the game winner? Yeah, Frederick. Yeah. Like, what if they lose that game and they score one goal again? Like, does that kind of speed everything up? Like, I was sitting there wondering, like, you know, midway through the third period, like, does it maybe make sense to get a head start on the trade market and try to, you know, go out there and make a deal before the deadline and – kind of get a jump start on the prices i don't know that's something i would be considering e- even despite the fact that they won that game but like if they had lost that game like you're you're in a you're in a rut like an, an actual rut so
0: um yeah it's
1: something to keep in mind Logan. What do you think?
0: well the trade thing is interesting because i think whatever if they want to actually be competitive and make like a deep run i think they're gonna to have to go outside the organization i agree But it's, so what kind of guy do you trade for that? Right. Because that becomes the question. Cause my thing is, you know, I think Elliot Friedman floated the other day that the ducks would trade Troy Terry, who is probably your equivalent of like an Anders Bjork, right? Like high skill guy, but hasn't exactly fit relatively manageable cap figure analytics, darling too. But it's like, do you go with him? Where it might be a roll of a dice, but the ceilings way higher, but the floor is way lower or, like it's such an imperfect science they thought last year they were going to fix a lot of problems with Andre Kasha that hasn't really worked out maybe you treat him like he's your trade deadline acquisition again because theoretically you might get him back at some point but unless you're trading for a Kyle Palmieri or Taylor Hall type it's really just piecing things together like going up and down the TSN trade bait list, it's like Ricard Raquel. Again, similar situation to Kasha, Nick Felino, Mikel Granlund. And then with the Islanders losing Anders Lee, they're going to start going after forwards because they're about to get a crap load of space on LTIR. Um, so your market just got a lot tougher. So I don't exactly know what their trade deadline approach should be anyways. But what I do know is they're probably going to have to go outside the organization in order to get the help they need.
1: Yeah. I'm of the mind of, I'll bring me the Paul Mary, Mark Stone, Rick Nash type of deal. Like, let's, let's do it. I, it, that's the type of player I think they need. Not like, I mean, sure. Obviously Mark Stone would be great. Like that type of player, but like, I don't think that one's happening. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, if, you know, if that deal's not out there to be made, if there's not that player, then there's not a whole lot you can do. But like, if the Nash type of, like that type of deal came around again, I, I would do it. Like, I think it's, I liked that they went for it that year and it would have worked or it looked like it was working until Nash got hurt like that wasn't you know Don Sweeney's fault um how many let me
0: ask you though how many teams are like actual That's players? the
1: thing That's what I said I don't think that's that's maybe that's not out there um I don't think it is and cuz I think I I do think it's like you know I don't even know if it's a a right winger or a, you know, like a second line right winger like I think they just need I mean, hell, they just need guys who can put the puck in the net. Like, I don't care if the guy can't skate backwards. Like, if he can score goals, like, I think he's going to improve the team. Like, you might have to live with the fact that you're going to have to get, you know, find a liability out there. But, like, it's just – I was looking at it. Hold on. I got it right here in my note. They have scored – the first line is combined to score 35 goals this year. The rest of the team has scored 36. And that's, like, eight of those coming from Richie. And that's not – you can't (laughs) bank on that. Like, I – give me a goal score. I don't, I don't know how you have to do it. Like maybe it just won't happen. Maybe it's not out there, but I would take, you know, I, a one way offensive minded player at this point, what's the, what, what is the hurt? Like, what's the, what's the drawback to it at this point? I don't know. Yeah. You
2: know? I guess they're really, you can't really find one right away. I mean, obviously I guess it, if you go out and Think try to for a yeah, who are you giving up? But I don't think you're going to give up a huge asset. But, I mean, if it makes your team better, as long as you're not giving up, you know, really anybody in the top six there, what's right. no real, like, risk to it?
1: Recalibrating expectations, we'll get out of here on this. Like, is this a team that's good enough to give up a first-round pick right. to address the, the issues? I think that's the big question. I don't think they know who they are. So I think here's the thing I think they're good enough this year to give up for I they're good enough right now to justify giving up a first round pick. I think they are. Like I think they get in they can go on a run especially if they go out and get out get a player. Are they good enough in 2 years to justify giving up a first round pick in 2021? Does that make sense like Yeah. They're they're trying to do this long-term rebuild on the fly and they might and I wouldn't blame them. They might say, "Hey, we you know, it's not worth it this year." To hurt ourselves in two years when we could be completely screwed if we go first round pick. That said, what does your first round pick history look like right now outside of David Pasternak? So I, uh, there's a lot of
0: factors to consider there. Trent Fred Frederick. Sure. Um, Charlie McAvoy. But okay. yeah, no, I get it. But like, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I'm just messing with you. Like I also I don't know if like Trent Frederick's like the perfect example. Of, no, like, maybe not. Um, I'm only doing the a first round pick. If a guy has term, like, yeah. Isn't, Paul Mary is about to be a UFA. Like if the devils want a first round pick for Paul Mary, I'm hanging up the phone and it's like, well, I can't really mortgage my future. I don't know. They still, still
2: have,
0: they have 25 days left or however long until the trade deadline. And so I wouldn't be making any moves right now because like, what if you just fall victim to a, a lot more injuries and you can't stay healthy and you start falling out of the playoff picture. And it's like, you know what? We believe in this team, but we sooner believe in them healthy next year with our first round pick intact. than we do going all in for Matthias Ekholm or whoever. Does David Krejci, Tuka
1: Rass coming off the books make you more or less likely to buy this year? Not at the deadline.
2: Yeah, because I guess, I guess it depends what you what their plans are for both of them.
1: But like, if they if they're okay with them walking, I have no idea. Like, but it, let's just say they happen to walk, then you get there's money to play with this off season. You know what I mean? Right. That maybe you can recoup whatever you think you're losing by trading pieces, including picks. I don't know. I'm just saying. Like, I wonder. That's a, it's another thing to consider. They're in a weird spot. It's an interesting spot, but a weird
0: spot. Yeah it's clear that they're not gonna totally hinge their future on this season it's it's wild I, I this is my last point like
1: this season can still we're what halfway done it can go either way like they could i do think they could win the stanley cup i think they could also miss the playoffs like yeah,
0: right. I think that's, well that's how that entire top four of the division is
1: exactly and i think they would like missing the playoffs would not be a consideration in a normal year you know this is I think they would get in. They, they're easily one of the best eight teams in the Eastern conference. I wonder whether one of the best four teams of the best six teams in the Eastern conference, which is what that East division is right now. So tough. That sucks. It's tough for them. Tough spot, but Hey, like we've seen it, like they aren't good enough to contend. I, you know, they've got to kind of figure this out. And I guess like the halfway point is an interesting little time to do it, but um We'll see. You guys got any other points to make? Anything else you want to get off your chest, Sizz? No.
0: Great. I I guess my thing would just be oh, you sorry. have to you have to you have to see how healthy everyone is. Yeah, we saw how much of a wagon they were at the beginning of the year when they were about as close to full strength of the as Yeah, they right, were. exactly. Like that that is a team worth investing in, which is why I'm saying like I think you do have to wait it out for a couple more weeks because if they miss the playoffs this year because everybody's injured and they're in a really challenging division, like that's not a lost season per se for me. That's you fell victim to really bad luck, um, but you can't be making major decisions if that's the you know your lot in life. I guess.
1: Yeah. Older team though, interesting too. You kind of get to balance a lot of things right now. Don Sweeney's job very difficult um that's uh that was logan also lauren i'm like this has been the ness and bruins podcast thank you as always for joining us and uh, we'll catch you again next week see you then